bringing that up is, if you've been reading your devotion, the first of the month is the first Sunday, uh, first Sunday, the first of the month was the, is the uh, scripture text that I'm using for my sermon today. So um, I, I just reminded me that uh, if you don't have a daily devotional, uh, please take one from, uh, from Allie. All right. So Genesis 26, beginning at verse 26 to 31. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerera with Ahuzah, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. That sounded really nice, didn't it? Did you like that? You know, it's like, what on earth is he reading? Yeah, it's in there, but let me go on. Isaac asked them, this is getting to the part of, that we're looking at for our scripture text. Why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm, just as we did not molest you, but always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. And here in this, in this verse, the, the challenge is that let us make a treaty with you and let us do you no harm because we've seen how good God has been to you. <laughs> and that's the, that's the idea of our text today. We have seen how good God is to you, so let's make a treaty. So whenever we think of uh, being blessed, sometimes we think of it in the context of, you know, um, well, what do you think of it in the context of being blessed? Sometimes we think of it in the context of material blessing. Sometimes we think in the context of physical blessing. Sometimes we think in the context of, of spiritual blessing. But whenever we think of um, being blessed, sometimes we, we do the old comparison. You know, while, what was it, yesterday, um, we were, well, it was just this week, Rhonda was telling me that I should eat this, and I said, well, just because the people in China are hungry, I mean, I should eat this, and it'll do them some good. You know, anybody ever use that? You need to eat that. Anybody ever told your kids, grandkids, whatever, you need to eat that because there's people hungry around the world. Now, that makes no sense, because it's not going to change their hunger one bit if you don't eat this. It's kind of a guilty type, a guilt type of thing that we use. And uh, I, I often think of what our son David said about being in El Salvador, that poverty is not a lack of money. Poverty is not a lack of money. Because if poverty were the, uh, uh, a lack of finances, then giving countries billions of dollars in aid and all this would change it. But nothing changes. And, and my, our son talks about how that it's relational experiences that helps people change. It's that relational experience that helps people change. Now, a few weeks ago, we had a three-by-five card, and we spoke about who do you want to be an encourager to? Anybody remember that? All right. If you didn't, I'm reminding you. <laughs> who do you want to be an encourager to? And, and whenever we look at this, and, you know, and I hope you all have cards. Number one, I want you to remember this. Every week I'm going to keep doing this until we get it right. That's kind of a joke. Okay. <laughs> it's like the preacher that um, went to church one day and it was a bad, bad day and there was, only, um, you know, there was only one person who came to church. And the pastor said to the, 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 the guy, he said, well, 
uh, do you want me to preach? And the, the guy, you know, he's a farmer, and he said, well, you know, if I only had one calf in the barn, I'd go out and feed it. So he said, okay. So preacher started, and he preached his whole sermon. And an hour later, he said to the guy, well, what'd you think? And the farmer said, well, if I had one calf that I was feeding, I wouldn't feed it the whole barn. <laughs> so... So do you want to be an encourager? All right, I, who do you want to be an encourager to? So we need to think of someone that you can be an encourager to. The reason for that is that when people believe in you, they're believing you enough to receive what you have to say, it makes a big difference in their life. So who is it that you can be an encourager to? That's on this list of things to do. So people believe that they can change. They believe that they can change based upon relationships, partnerships, the exploration of resources. And this is, this is one of the things that we sometimes doubt that we have, and we have a lot of, and people, and we need to be reminded of our own resources. We need to be reminded of how, how much we have. You know, our society, you know, we are a... Um, Society that teaches us and tells us what we don't have. Because we're a consumer society. If we don't buy things, the whole market goes down the tubes. So how then do, we, how then do they get us to buy things? Well, if you have this, you need this, it'll make you, help you, make you better than what you are. You know, how many have, uh, I want to ask how many have uh, cellular phones, but how many do have cellular phones? <laughs> How many have iPods? How many have i, i whatever that is? Uh, what is it? iPads, iPods, iPatches. You know, I wear an iPatch. <laughs> so, so we have all these things, and we can't get along without them now. But you think back, how many years ago did, was it that we didn't even have cell phones? And Rhonda talks about, uh, in class, um, you know, how, how, how long has it been since you have seen a phone booth? <laughs> you know, well, that's only where Superman goes to change. <laughs> you know, well, they were, uh, they were around, you know. Try and find, try and find a pay phone. What's that? There is one in the gallery. Because you don't have a cell phone. Okay. Somebody help that boy. <laughs> so there are so many things that we look at and uh, we look at it and don't take into consideration. It's just like that. We, we don't see what we've got. We don't see the blessings we have. Well, in this scripture, it talks about how that they saw how God had blessed Isaac and they wanted to create a pact with them. So that, you know, if, if, you know, we don't want to go to war with you. We want to create a pact with you because we see God's blessing with you. So partnership and being an encourager is more than just, oh, don't worry, you'll make it. An encourager is that someone who is willing to partner with you to help you along the journey and to be that reminder that you can make it and sometimes being that reminder is more than just saying, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Uh, but, you know, we, it's more than just that type of a flippant, you know, comment that says, it's okay, you'll make it. 
Because as a Christian, as we believe that God has promises and God has a purpose for our life. And whenever we just flippantly say, don't worry, you'll make it. Well, who are we trusting in? We're not trusting in the stars. We're not trusting in the horoscope. We're trusting in God and his promises to work in our life. So a partnership brings people together to overcome, to work through difficulties, obstacles, and problems. Even to work through our own personal unbelief. Our own personal unbelief about ourselves. (laughs) Get that baby out of here. Do you know why? The one guy, I'm kidding, please. You know, I, I'm just kidding. But the idea, I, we, we were in this church once that they had like a sanctuary of 8,000 people and the pastor forbid any children to be in the service, especially babies. He said the most, the greatest distraction in a church is a good baby. Do you know why a good baby is the biggest distraction? Because everybody's always looking and smiling. <laughs> Look at that baby in the baby coos and waves, you know. You're not going to listen to a baby or me. Who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the baby, you know? So, but I don't have that rule. I, I love babies to come in, you know, because they almost always just interject what needs to be done at the right time, okay? Especially when it's time to quit. My wife says, listen to the kids. <laughs> when they're done, you're done. Just stop. All right, so. So bringing people together to overcome and to work through our own personal unbeliefs about ourselves and about life. I mean, how many times do we doubt our abilities and doubt what we can or cannot do? And we see encouragers or individuals who are able to look at things for us sometimes and give us that positive perspective. So, we've been talking about how, that, how important it is and, and, we, and honoring, and the word, the, the word that we've been using is honor, and honor means to value. So when you honor something, you value it. So whenever we see ourselves as an encourager, we are honoring the person we're speaking to, but we're also honoring our ability to influence. Honoring and not doubting that my words of encouragement can help. And sometimes we doubt that. But honor... Is, carries a great influence in our lives, honoring ourselves and honoring others. Genesis 26, 28 says, We saw clearly that the Lord was with you, so we said, There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you, and let us make a treaty with you. So they wanted to make this treaty because they saw how God had blessed their life, and they didn't want to be against God's blessing. Okay? So, in this text, people made peace because of God's work among Isaac and his family. So as we honor God, as we honor Jesus Christ and honor his word, it creates the awareness that we are grafted into the vine. You know, for those of you, uh, you know, last week that was kind of our lesson. And how many have thought of that grafting of the vine this week? Anyone? Uh, Thank you, thank you. What's wrong with the rest of you? Can you write it down on the card? That's what the three-by-five card is. Write it down. Being the old farmer that I am, <laughs> and farmer as a kid, um, agriculture, I excelled in ag. <laughs> then I decided to go to college. Uh, but uh, in, in, in ag, 
in, in grafting in the vine, we, we did this. You know, we literally slit the, the trees, you know, cut the bark and put the vine in there and wrapped it up and, you know, grafted trees and limbs or pieces of trees into vines, into the vine, and, you know, and it grew, amazingly, because it grew together. Well, the scripture talks, talks to us about how that we are grafted into the vine and that the life that is in the vine ends up going into the branch. So in our lives as Christians, whenever we confess our sins and ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, we're grafted into the vine. We're grafted into Jesus Christ. And the same life that is in Christ is the same life that is in us. And for uh, some of our members that I pick on, uh, the same sap that's in the tree is the same sap that's in you. So I won't pick on Bob today, but that's kind of what I talked to Bob about. He was being a little sappy there the other day. So, so we are grafted in the vine. We are once part of the vine. Once part of the vine, we also know that the branch needs pruning. Hmm. And the pruning, as we spoke about, is a purging. It is a deep emotional exposure. But we're still attached. And this was the part that, that's been really working on my life, that no matter how much that we've been pruned, we're still attached. And that attachment that we have with God is the, is the, is the, the life, the sap, the strength that is in the vine, in, in the main vine, is also in the branch. The same, the same life, the same sap that is part of the tree is what gives life to the vine. And when the same spirit to raise Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. So the same life that is in Christ is the same life that flows into us as we are attached to him. And it's in this attachment that we find life. And no matter what happens in our life, we still find the strength that is in us that is in that attachment. So that God has quickened us by his spirit and reminds us that the life in the vine is the life in the branch. So the same life that is in us is first existed and lived in Christ. It was created by God. It is the gift of God. It is the life of God. It is the breath of God that was given to us in creation. He breathed into us and he made us a living soul. We became alive in Christ. We are new creatures, new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Old, behold, all things become new. Why? Because we're grafted in the vine and there's a new life in us. And whenever we come together, we sing about it and we, we worship and we pray and we ask God because of that life that flows in us from the vine. Everyone who honored Jesus received from God in the proportion the honor was re- rendered. Everyone who honored Jesus received from God in the proportion the honor was rendered. rendered. So when people honored Jesus, they were able to receive back into their life. Whenever they honored Jesus, they were more attuned to his word and his spirit and what he wanted to do in their life. And that was about three weeks ago. We spoke about Nazareth, that Jesus could do nothing in Nazareth because the people said, we know you. (laughs) You are Joseph and Mary's son. You're that carpenter. So, What can you possibly do? 
And they, they looked at Jesus and they dishonored him. They didn't have time for his word. They didn't have time for what Jesus wanted to do. And he could do nothing for them. So whenever we honor God and we honor his word, we open ourselves up for God to do the work in our life. Just that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us. The same life that is in the tree and is now in the vine is now in us. So, the scripture in 1 Samuel says, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. And the word disdain has the feeling of someone is unworthy of consideration or respect. So now, we're moving on in our life. So now we are going about our daily living. And we interact with people. Is anybody that, you don't have to raise your hand on this, nor do I want your names. (laughs) Is there anyone that you disdain? That you disrespect, disregard? And um, you have no consideration for? And of course, I have a few people on that list. And uh, they have, a, they have um, I feel that they have earned the right for my being upset with them. I question their leadership. I question their ability to make choices or decisions. I even withdrew and withdraw, withdrawn myself from them. And the challenge that we find in Wednesday's devotional here, in, 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 the, in the God's Word for today, it says that we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. And we decided we wanted to make an agreement with you because we saw God was with you. And here, I... Now, some of you may not realize this, but I'm not perfect. (coughs) Some of you already knew that. (laughs) Okay, but... (laughs) I didn't want you to be in shock... (laughs) by that declaration, but um, if you think I'm perfect, just ask my wife. She will tell you that <laughs> I'm not. And, uh, but the challenge on the, this Wednesday's devotional was that we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. And when I have disdained individuals and I have withdrawn because I feel that they should not have been worthy of my just kidding, worthy of my presence. But uh, my respect, I think that's the better way. Uh, my challenge, did I, did I live so that they could see clearly that God was with me? Hmm. And that really was challenging to me. That did I live so that they would want to make an agreement with me because they could see God's blessing in my life? Now, that part of honoring God and honoring individual and relationship experiences, you see, because some people that we're going to want to encourage, sometimes there are some individuals we don't want to encourage, they deserve what they get. (laughs) That's the disdain part, you know. That's the human nature part of of who, who we are. And God, I think, challenges... I know he challenges it. I don't think I know. He challenges that in us. That to challenge that part of us that, that would want to disdain or put people off. Because 
for whatever reason, we can't reach an agreement with them. But it doesn't mean that we have to stop living so close to God that they can see God's work in our life. And that's the part that we want to challenge. Not that we're going to fix someone, because that doesn't happen. We can't fix anyone. We can't change people. You can't make people be what, you, you know, you want them to be. You know, I, I know, and sometimes in marriage counseling, uh, people have come up to me and they said, well, you know, I don't know what's wrong with him or her. They just can't straighten out the way that I want them to be. <laughs> I go, oh boy, we got problems now. Uh, <laughs> any, any of you try to straighten out your husband or wife or, you know, anybody? Uh, I get out the rolling pin or the frying pan, you know? We'll straighten you out. And um, some people don't know what a rolling pin or a frying pan is. That's almost like a, that's almost like a phone booth. <laughs> that's almost like a phone booth, you know? Rolling pin and frying pan, you know? Uh, okay. <laughs> a frying pan is something... No. <laughs> so... We saw clearly that the Lord was with you. They saw that God's work was among us. So Abimelech here saw how God had blessed Isaac with prosperity and knew that that same blessing would also protect. Hmm. That the same blessing that was on Isaac would also protect him. And Abimelech, that's that's the the people here in the, the story that we read here in Genesis, that Abimelech said, you know what, if God blesses him that much, God must protect him also. And what about from my perspective, am I really in my disdain, am I allowing God to bless me through the experience? Am I allowing God to bless me through the experience that would also give the impression and give the understanding that God is also protecting me and that God is also working in my life. And today we honor God in communion, which is peace between us. You know, the Bible says, if you have aught against any man, any person, go and make it right before you come to the the communion table. And it's like, Whoa, they're not here, so I can't do that. So I'll I'll do it later. (laughs) But the idea is peace between us. There's peace between God and I. Got to make that right. And then I have to live my life in such a way that God's blessing, God's blessing can be a part of who I am. And that in God's blessing... I'm recognizing how he has provided for me and how that he has worked in my life. Not by what is not here, but by what is here. And what is going on in my life. And I'm asking God not only to bless me, but also protect, provide, and that there is peace between us. Because if I'm going to be an encourager, I have to believe that there's part of me, there is me, that has value. And it has enough value not to straighten your life out, 
but to be an encourager to you where you are at. And Jesus Christ has come to set us free from the things that would destroy us, our sins, our failures. And that the things that have come between me and me, between God's purpose and who I am. So God is that encourager to my heart. He is that encourager that will come to say we can make this. But he also gives me that responsibility to be that encourager to someone else. That's why I think it's of such great value that we honor God and that we don't hold people in disdain because that disdain only hurts me. It allows me to think thoughts that are not pure and holy and righteous. It, that disdain causes me to doubt that God has a purpose for what has happened in my life. And God doesn't want me to doubt my relationship with him and also his sovereignty. His sovereignty over my life and the people that I, that I encounter. God has a way of doing, working in us that we need to be aware of. And it's not about fixing. And it's not about guilt and it's not about manipulation. It's about leading. <laughs> my sheep hear my voice. And we follow. It's about recognizing that God wants to touch our lives in a way that will change us, not only today, but for an eternity. For the same communion we took reminds us of what Jesus has done for us in the past, but it also says that I'm not going to take of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So, what God is about is about changing us in this moment changing our character and changing our lives and, and changing us with his word, with, the, with his spirit. And that same life that is in the vine is the same life that is in us and the same life that quickened Jesus and, rose him from the, and he rose from the dead is the same life that is inside of us that quickens these words to our heart. It quickens us and it changes us from the inside out and gives us a new perspective and a new vision of what, of what we can be and what God can do in our life. And so it's a life filled with hope and a life filled with anticipation of what God wants to do and how God wants to change us and make us in His image. And God changes us. God changes us to the person He created us to be from the beginning. He want to go home. See? Always at the right time. At the right time. I told you. Yeah. yeah. He wants to go home. <laughs> right on, buddy. So does the rest of them. <laughs> I told you that kids make it right to the point. That's why you always have kids in the service. Bring him back. <laughs> Bring him back. He's the smartest one. Preacher, it's time to go home. You know? <laughs> I got supper. I got a frying pan at home I got to cook. You know? 
Amen, right? <laughs> I want to go home. All right. So, but that's, you know, when we think about this whole process, what is God up to? <laughs> God is up to good. He's up to good in our life. And the changes that God wants to make in us isn't that he wants to take us out of character. He wants to renew that life that, was, that he gave us from the very beginning. That life that he gave us, that person that God wants us to be, that's what he wants to be in our life. And he wants us to be that. And all it is is us rediscovering who God created us to be. And we do that with his word, his spirit, his love, his leading. His leading. God doesn't drive us. God leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He has a purpose for our life. So God, help us. (laughs) Help me. For those individuals that I have disdained, I have allowed wrong perspectives of me to influence the way I have responded. Help me to love, to forgive, to value who you are, what you have said to my life, and hold you, Lord, in a place of honor so that you can change me to be the person you created me to be. Amen? I want to go home. (laughs) Let's stand, shall we?